Welcome to the Popcorn Talk Network. For the online broadcast network that features movie discussion, news, and interviews, press one. Popcorn Talk. We talk movies. From the Popcorn Talk Network, the online broadcast network for movie talk, Alicia Malone with Scott Movie Mance and the Schmoes Know, this is Profile. In-depth spotlights on the greatest filmmakers and artists in motion picture history. Hello, Schmoeville and Profiles. <laughs> Today on Profiles, we go to infinity and beyond. Oh, yeah. We are profiling Pixar. This is really exciting. This is the first time we have done a movie studio instead of just a filmmaker or an actor. And what a movie studio. I mean, how do you describe the magic that exists behind Pixar movies? Well, first of all, the magic is in the numbers. You have 15 movies, including their latest and one of their greatest movies, Inside Out. It's fantastic. It is brilliant, imaginative, absolutely setting the bar even higher for Pixar. Four, 14 previous movies that have grossed more than $8.6 billion Ooh. worldwide. But with one film after another, the films are magical, they're clever, they're smart, they're funny. Mm-hmm. They are layered for kids to have fun and for grown-ups to be challenged with intelligence. Yeah, without pandering to either side. I mean, they just work, I think, because of the story. And the thing that I realized when I was re-watching all these movies was how much humor and heart each of them have. I mean, I love that they they talk about story being paramount. They've got the 22 rules of storytelling, which include things like you admire a character for trying more than for their successes. And Andrew Stanton, who's a big, big guy behind a lot of these movies, he says he distills each story down to a sentence. So Finding Nemo is fear denies a good father from being one. And Wally is love conquers all programming. And I think because they focus so much on story, it makes it universal. Well, it does make it universal and again I mean since the inception of the best animated feature Oscar going back to 2001 Pixar movies have won this award seven times Woo. two of those movies were nominated for the big prize best picture Which that was unheard of unheard of back to back up in 2009 and Toy Story 3 in 2010 yeah. but uh, these movies are are you know you, you asked at the beginning of what is it about these films it's it's everything it's it's that the that, characters and and more than any other show more than any other show we've done this is our 33rd show and we have never had this much activity on our facebook page profiles with malone and mance people weighing in on the brackets we had more than 60 comments from profilers who were weighing in on the movies that they loved the most and their comments went on and on it took forever to distill them down for the ones that we're going to read today i love that it really hit home for most people i think everyone loves pixar movies in a way that you you go to see Pixar movie, unlike you see any other studio film. Maybe you go nowadays to see a Marvel movie or a Lucasfilms movie, but you don't go and see a Warner Brothers movie because it's made by Warner Brothers. You go because of the stars and the story, but Pixar, you know you're always in for a good time. Those five letters, of course, they go along with Disney because they are Disney Pixar films. You just know what you're going to get, at least you think you do, and then it goes one step further. Inside Out, their 15th movie, is a great example. Very experimental. Ambitious is a movie that I would use to describe Inside Out because mm-hmm. halfway through the film halfway, halfway through Inside Out I'm th- shaking my head going like I need to see this movie again there's yeah. stuff going on here that I don't even have hasn't even registered so yet. many layers you can watch it and I think this is true of all their films you can watch it on the surface level and be like this is a fun journey story yep. or you can watch it on a deeper more psychological level and really delve into it and delve into the emotion of every single movie and especially Inside Out has all the emotions, oh. and it makes you feel all of those emotions. Question for you. Yes. Have you gotten to visit Pixar? I did go to visit Pixar in 2010. <laughs> it was June 2010, right before the release of Toy Story 3. How fun is it? It is so fun. I didn't want to leave. I think that's what they do. They That's what they do to create these um, this environment that, that fosters these kind of inventive people. Yeah. Is, is like Google. They make it a really fun place to be, so it doesn't feel like work. And it's also away from the studios. It is nowhere near any of the 
Hollywood stuff. They can do their own thing. Again, even though they are Disney Pixar, yeah. they function as their own brand. Right. They've got this brain trust. You mentioned Andrew Stanton, obviously Pete Doctor, John Lasseter, the head guy of them all, uh, Lee Unkrich, yes. um, all the Ronnie Del Carmen, all these amazing, Brad amazing Bird. Brad Bird. I mean, come on. I mean, it's just, it's un- unbelievable. And I know we always say, how fun was it to go back and rewatch these movies? I'm sitting there watching some of the movies, all of them that we have on our Fast Five today, shaking my head going, <laughs> oh my God, these movies are fan-friggin-tastic. And everyone's really excited on the YouTube live chat right now. People are talking about, I can definitely see Inside Out getting a Best Picture nomination, says Ben Kramer. Tyler Myers is so freaking excited for Inside Out. Um, Rachel Cushing says, with the up to 10 nominations for Best Picture, I think Inside Out has a shot for a nomination. And then Brian Sudfeld has seen my shirt and said, Leisha's shirt, ha ha ha. I don't know if you can see it, but it's Lotso the Bear saying, I'm a hugger, which is perfect for me. Uh, perfect for Alicia. And I'm wearing, my shirt has uh, has Wally on it, and it says yeah. Hope. And amazing that the hope for the future would lie with a trash compacting machine. <laughs> we'll get to all of that. And well, I just want to say about that uh, prediction about Inside Out being nominated for Best Picture. Yeah. Absolutely worthy. And we'll get into Inside Out later in the show. Oh, Oh, yes. Now, this week we're not doing It's a Wonderful Life because it's a studio and not a person. So let's get right to First Blood. What was your first Pixar experience? My first Pixar experience was the first Pixar feature film animated experience. This is Toy Story, released on November 22nd, 1995. (laughs) Changed the game completely i mean let's let's look at all the ways this movie really changed the game look at the shift after that movie from cell hand-drawn animation to computer animated films Mm -hmm. i mean you know you had lion king but then like when was the last time you really saw a computer animated movie even a movie like like uh the uh the iron giant which Brad Bird directed, came out in 99. That was hand-drawn. Great film, but it just didn't compare to, like, Toy Story 2, which came out that very same year. But, yes, it changed the game, but it was also a great movie with a big heart. It was clever. It was fun. It was smart. It was all the signature moments that we still expect from Pixar 20 years after the fact, because this is the 20th anniversary of the release of the first feature film to be done with computer animation, and they are still topping themselves. Oh, yeah. Well, this what about might, yours? It might surprise you, actually. Uh, I think it was even before Toy Story, I saw Luxo Jr., which is the short film. Oh, with the lamp. With the lamp, which became the Pixar logo. Yep. And the reason why I saw that was because my big sister, Natalie, she studied computer programming and then she studied computer animation. And she really wanted to go into computer animation oh, wow. and start working on movies like Toy Story, eventually became to be. And she showed me this Luxo Jr. short and with the, the desk lamp, so it's got a father desk lamp and a little son desk lamp and a ball that he's playing with and the ball deflates. And it's pretty simple animation when you go back and look at it now. But she sat down with me and she explained exactly what went into making that short film. And, and I remember going, oh, wow, okay. So it's hard to make a, a ball bounce and then deflate in the movement. And, and I remember she's, she was like, this is great animation. This is what I want to do. Oh, wow. and, uh, and then Toy Story came out and, and then she, I mean, she still loves computer animation. She'll buy the art books for Wally and and for Up I have and, those, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, then, and read all about it. So that was my first blood, my first experience. And then I saw Toy Story and and then the love continued from there. But it's just amazing because like for, for the last 20 years, the, the, these movies that just when you think they can't get any better, they do. Yeah. I mean, just when you thought that Toy Story 3 or Wally or Up or, or Finding Nemo or any one of these films, Ratatouille, really raised the bar, you know, you go see Inside Out and you're just like, holy moly, that movie was brilliant. I know. I, I saw it in Cannes and, and I was like, oh, yeah, this will be fun. But I was blown away by yeah, it. Yeah, totally blown away. But we have five movies to get to in our Fast Five. And coming in at number five is... <laughs> I love this. What are you doing? What are you doing? Are you sure you speak well? Uh, Finding Nemo. Love it. Released May 30th, 2003. Directed by Andrew Stanton. Total box office worldwide, $937 million. Nominated for four Oscars. One win. Best animated feature. Clever. Fun. Exciting. 
beyond charming and with a big heart. That scene in the beginning yeah. when, when Marwan looks at the egg and says, I'll protect you. Oh. Yeah, again, that was Andrew Stanton's sentence. Fear denies a good father from being one. And I think the story is so relatable. I mean, it's funny when it's a story about a fish, but it's completely relatable. The characters are so vivid. There's such interesting character traits to each of them, like Dory with the forgetfulness, yeah. all the turtles, like the stoners. Oh, how bugger, dude. Like Bruce the shark, yeah. like being very Australian. I think that's why the characters are so iconic. Anyone could name a Finding Nemo character. Anyone could name a character, especially Dory. And that's why we have Finding Dory coming out next year. Simple story of a journey, but lots of messages in there. Messages about the environment, about captivity, about letting go of fear, about being brave, letting your child go out into the world or for a child, like going out into the world. It's pretty amazing what they are able to do with some fish. And it's amazing. Like you mentioned, Dory, you know, they wrote this role for Ellen DeGeneres and she killed it. It's really one of the great animated voiceovers. I mean, she's like people 12 years after the fact, people still talk about Ellen DeGeneres and Dory. I mean, they love Dory. It's perfect that one they're going to do. Characters. Yeah, it's just definitely one of the great characters. And of course, one staple of every single Pixar movie, Inside Out is no exception, is the presence of John Ratzenberger. Oh, yeah. So as we go through our Fast Five, we have to give a shout out to each of the characters that John Ratzenberger has played in this one. He was the voice of the Fish School. <laughs> Even if it's big, like Ham and Toy Story, or small, like Fish School in Finding Nemo. <laughs> I love that. They, I love that they find a way to use him. This movie was actually dedicated to Glenn McQueen, who died the year before in 2002. He was a Pixar animator, and they honored uh, Glenn McQueen by naming Lightning McQueen in Cars after him. And Roger Ebert was quoted as saying in his review, I love reading Roger Ebert's reviews, one of those rare movies where I wanted to sit in the front row and let the images wash out to the edges of my field of vision. Well, that's the thing. It's so beautiful to look at this movie. I mean, I remember reading about how hard it is to animate water but it just looks so gorgeous and nature. I loved the way there was a lot of Australia Oh, you in must there. have loved it. I was re-watching going, Alicia's going to love this movie. Sydney Harbour. <laughs> and, and such a great juxtaposition between the, the free fish in the sea and then the captive ones in the dental office. And also has some similarities, I think, to Toy Story in that way. Toy Story and Up. And Up. Well, you mentioned the dentist office. The dentist diploma, <laughs> yeah. he graduated from Pixar University School of Dentistry. <laughs> but I want great. the seagulls. Mine, 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 yeah, mine, 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 mine. I can't get enough of the mines. I kept reminding it going like, come on, it's one more high five. Come on, it's been a while. Okay, well, Rachel Cushing, Rachel Cushing, who is watching our show live, Yay. who's definitely one of the best film critics I've ever read. Way to go, Rachel. She says, while just about every Pixar film hits you right in the heart, for me, the one that hits the hardest is Finding Nemo. This movie is on TV. I'm sitting down and watching it with a box of tissues on hand, ready for Dory's truly heartbreaking speech near the end. Everything (laughs) about this movie is special. The story, the look, the funny moments, as well as the emotional ones. Pixar set a new standard with its truly groundbreaking, breathtaking underwater visuals and smart character writing. I mean, there's a clownfish that can't tell a joke. Surfer dude turtles and a shark named Bruce (laughs) who's trying to give up eating fish Fish are friends, not food. Yes. At its core, though, is a truly heartfelt story about an unconventional family. I have never laughed or cried so hard at a single movie. I think it made a lot of people vegetarians in the same way that <laughs> Babe did, because people didn't want to eat Nemo. And Bruce, obviously, and a nod Bruce. to Jaws. Yeah, Bruce the, the shark was that named. Didn't yeah, that didn't work. <laughs> uh, Danny B. Reviews and Tyler Scott both remember the address of P. Sherman, 42 Wallaby Way, Sydney. That's so funny that she just gets in your head. I remember seeing that. I remember seeing Finding Nemo in the movies and just being like, oh, they're talking about Australia. I was so excited. Of course. So Tyler Myers <laughs> says, out of all the Pixar films, the one I find myself going back to the most is Finding Nemo. I love the father-son dynamic in this movie. For Marlon, the dad, he has to go against his overprotective ways to find his son Nemo. The film is also filled with so many wonderful characters, including Bruce the Shark, Crush the Turtle, and the main standout, Dory, whose short-term memory loss serves for some of the 
best comedy of the movie. It's funny, touching, thrilling, and one of my favorite animated films of all time. Just, Just keep, keep swimming. swimming. Just keep swimming. Well, I, I, I know the answer to this next question. I, I know you know the answer. I know the question. answer to this next question, and I, that's why I <laughs> picked bite. something different. But for the right stuff for your favorite scene in a Pixar movie, take it away. You know what I'm going to say. I know what you're going to say. The montage enough. Yes. Yeah. That's what I thought. Yeah. Those 10 minutes. That, I never cry in movies, uh, but this one gets me every single time, and I'll put it on sometimes if I'm feeling sadistic and I just want a good cry. <laughs> but that whole montage, which tells a history of a relationship, a history of a marriage, and it's virtually silent. There's only a few lines of dialogue, scored beautifully. Beautifully by Michael Giacchino, who yeah. became a Pixar staple. And he won an Oscar for that movie. It is, it's pretty brave when you look at it and pretty experimental of Pixar to do this in a kid's movie. Yeah. Have that scene which packs an emotional punch and they're not afraid to explore things like death in a kid's movie and all packed in that 10 minutes I think it just shows the brilliance of storytelling I've rewatched that part of Up way more than I've seen the entire movie and you know what's great about that scene you watch that scene in Up thinking how are they going to top this with the rest of the film and they do and they do one of the definitely one of the best movies my right stuff because I knew you were going to pick up <laughs> and I'm like you know I could just say yeah I agree for all of the above but that's why uh, my second favorite is actually from Toy Story 3 near the end of the film oh my god when they are that also kills me that they're just they're just trying to get away from the fire from being burned Woo. and Woody is like okay everybody let's go we, we gotta get out of here and then they're all looking at him like they're all grabbing each other's hands they've all surrendered themselves to to the fact that they're going to die and they all so look at Woody sad. Woody takes their hand and then all of a sudden the claw <laughs> and you're like oh my gosh that movie is brilliant that scene just because you've been with these characters at the time came out in 2010 for 15 years thinking this is it and yeah, I thought that was the way the story was going to end it was going to be really morbid oh my gosh I mean, the movie is dark we'll get to that but that scene just like when I was rewatching all these films God. in addition to Up that's the scene that got me yeah that scene gets me too that scene makes me cry because they're all holding hands oh my god oh they're so all holding sweet. hands the claw the claw give it up for the claw <laughs> now let's get into our last detail our bits of trivia what do you got so did you know no. that George Lucas sold his share of Pixar for $5 million? Pixar create, was created in the 70s as part of Lucasfilm to assist with their in-house special effects team for Industrial Light and Magic. But Lucas was forced to sell after Howard the Duck failed and <laughs> needed some money. So Steve Jobs stepped up with $5 million. Uh, pretty incredible when you think in 2006, Disney bought it for $7.4 billion. That's a hell of a return on your investment. Oh, yeah. Well, speaking of when Pixar was working with ILM, did you know, Alicia Malone, that in 1982, Pixar and ILM created the first ever CGI sequence. It was the Genesis, Genesis effect in Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. Oh, you always find a way. Always to find a way. bring Star, Star Trek, Trek or, or the, the Beatles. Beatles into this whole situation. Well, my second bit of trivia was going to be about John Ratzenberger being a voice in every single one of the films, but seeing how we've already established that, I'll hit you with another one. Did you know the working title for Wally was Trash Planet? Trash Planet. But the title says it all, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> well, well, did you know that Toy Story 2, one of the all-time great sequels up there with Godfather 2, oh, yeah. was going to go straight to video? Oh, I read that. Like, what? And it and, was like a, a Christmas thing or something. And Tom Hanks and Tim Allen are like, guys, you got a great movie here. Yeah. This is way, way better than a direct-to-video movie. And, of course, it was. And the rest is history. Fantastic. Well, let's get into our Fast Five. Number, number four. four. <laughs> it's all right, Alexis. <laughs> Doing a million things at once yeah, in there. And we appreciate look. it. Oh, the cape and the boots. No capes. Ah, the no Incredibles. Capes. I had to put in um, a bit of Edna there because I love Edna. 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 Edna Mode. Edna Mode. The Incredibles, released November 5th, 2004, directed by Brad Bird. Uh, box office worldwide, $632 million, four Oscar nominations, two wins for sound editing and animated feature. 
And, you know, when people talk about the best superhero movies, which they do a lot these days, they have to include The Incredibles. Yeah, I always forget to include it, but they should. But they should, because it's not based on like a Marvel comic or a DC comic. People just don't include it. But this really is one of the best superhero movies. And it actually does have a lot in common with Fantastic Four, because some of the powers are similar. You know, Elastigirl is a lot like Mr. Fantastic, that she can stretch. And it's a dysfunctional family. Mm -hmm. In fact, it was so close to the to the sort of ideals of Fantastic Four that the producers of the 2005 movie Fantastic Four had to make changes to their story after they saw The Incredibles. Really? So that's a compliment when they're like, guys, we got to we got to make some change changes it. here. Yeah, but it's much smarter than oh, that, that Fantastic Four was. True, <laughs> because I love the way again, like most Pixar movies, you can watch it on various levels. So you can see it as a superhero family dealing with everyday circumstances, or you can look deeper. And I like how each of the characters have to overcome something that is similar to their own power. So you've got Mr. Incredible, who is super strong, but he has to learn how to be super strong emotionally as a father. Oh, that's a good point. And then you have, uh, have the mother who can stretch, but she has to stretch herself in a million ways to look after her family. Right. And then you have the, the daughter who is a teenager and awkward, and her power is to be invisible, and she is invisible in more ways than one. I just think that's so, so smart in that way. And, and a superhero who is going through a midlife crisis yeah. has a gut. You know, the last girl gets it's a big but, you know, things that happen to people as they get older. This is a, a def- definitely a film for kids, obviously, because it's exciting. But this is a movie that grownups will definitely, definitely relate to. And uh, John Ratzenberger, shout out here. He <laughs> played uh, the voice of the Underminer. And Michael Giacchino, who eventually won the Oscar for scoring up, this was his first Pixar score yeah. for Incredibles. And he's great. And Brad Bird was the first outside director for Pixar. He'd worked on The Simpsons. He, of course, worked on his first animated feature, The Iron Giant, mm-hmm. uh, which didn't do that well, but it was cri- critically acclaimed. It's great. And one person in particular really loved it, and that was his CalArts classmate, John Lasseter. Oh, well, So hey. when Brad Bird came to Pixar with a pitch for this movie, he took time to listen to it, and Brad Bird wanted to do a superhero spy film that was like a 60s James Bond or a 60s comic book series, and it definitely has that feel. It's like a spoof, a gentle spoof uh-huh. of the whole genre. And it's also got some other firsts. It was the first Pixar movie to feature humans as central characters, the first to be rated PG and not G. The first to be scored by Michael Giacchino. The first to almost be two hours and then tons of technical revelations with this one. It's like a lot of uh, things that had to do with skin and stretching and uh, costumes. Pushing the boundaries again. Yeah. Because they, they had just pushed the boundaries a couple years before with Monsters, Inc., with Sully's fur. That's right. And, you know, they're still pushing boundaries again inside out as a, as a, as a pushes a lot of boundaries. And Brad Bird, you know, you're talking about how Lasseter saw Iron Giant and everything. But Bird came up with this idea in 1993 uh, when he was inspired by his own challenge to balance career and family. Yeah. So he wanted to put it with a superhero family. Uh, Rolling Stone magazine said, it doesn't ring cartoonish, it rings true, which it definitely does. And uh, Roger Ebert said, it alternates breakneck action with satire with a satire suburban sitcom life this is a again one of the great superhero movies Danny Birdsall profiler says The Incredibles is Pixar's most mature film it takes everything 100% seriously adults talk like actual adults you see the film from their perspective which you don't really see often in animated movies Brad Bird is a contemporary master of animation knowing where to put the focus and how to make an ensemble of creative and memorable characters the animation is stellar and the score by Michael Giacchino is amazing the score the choice to put the film in the golden age of superhero movies is ingenious making it stand out against the boom of superhero films but also showing us why we love them in the first place I just sorry I just love reading the live comments on YouTube because everyone's doing including Alexis in the booth are doing lines from the movie like <laughs> honey where's my super suit uh, I put it away you tell me where my suit is woman we're talking about the greater good 
I'm your wife and the greatest good you're ever going to get. I love this so much. And Corey Quinto says what a lot of people are saying, which is Sam Jackson was hysterical as Frozo. Frozo, yes. Um, Camille Howard also talks about The Incredibles, saying of all the superhero movies that have come out in the last 15 years, The Incredibles is the one I can watch over and over and still adore it completely. The family scenes feel so authentic. You forget they're talking about having superpowers and not problems that every family faces. The voice acting is perfect. Brad Bird's direction is magical. Magical, and it's all tied together by a villain who could, who could go toe to toe with Marvel and DC's finest bad guys. Hashtag Film Geek. Hashtag Profile for Life. Make sure you hashtag Film Geek. Make sure you hashtag Profile for Life. We love when people do that. That gets a high five. Yeah, absolutely. And they mentioned something there that I think is good to bring up too with Pixar movies. It's how perfectly they match a voice to a character. Where they use star voices, but it's not distracting. But you know what? The thing about Elastigirl, Elastigirl kind of looks a little like Holly Hunter. The way she talks out of the side Maybe of her mouth a little bit. that's why it fits so well and you don't even think about Holly Hunter and I, why it seems like the character. It's the character. And same thing with Sam Jackson, whose voice is so identifiable. <laughs> yeah. But he's, you're not thinking about Sam Jackson. You're watching the character. It's great. That's so cool. Okay, we're going to take care of some business right now. Business very, very time. important business. Uh, starting with the fact that we need your support to keep doing this. We love doing profiles. We know you love watching it and listening to it on iTunes. So please subscribe to our podcast, Profiles with Malona Mance. And make sure you rate and review us on iTunes. Boy, do we need these ratings and reviews. Even if you're watching us on YouTube, head over to iTunes and write down your comments, your reviews, and please subscribe to iTunes. Speaking of YouTube, if you're watching us on youtube.com backslash Popcorn Talk Network, please subscribe. (laughs) And subscribe. Subscribe. And yo, and share with your friends and make sure you have them share it with their friends too. Go to our Facebook page. This week we had more activity on our Facebook page, Profiles with Malone and Mance, more than any other show that we've ever had. So, so fun. See all the activity. (laughs) Profiles with Malone and Mance. You can chime in on what your favorite movies are and why, because we do read your comments on the air chime in on the brackets and we do use these votes as you'll see very very shortly so please make sure you share this with your friends and make sure you follow us on twitter at alicia malone at movie mance at alicia malone at movie mance it's all in the repetition at Alicia Malone, at Movie Mance, and at Profiles SK, our Profiles uh, Twitter handle. Yeah, which Joshua Willingham runs for Way us, go, which Joshua. is really nice. Now, a couple of other things. So when you're listening to us on iTunes, we are on the Podcast Network, Podcast One, and they are doing a listener survey at podcastone.com. So your responses will help us to make this show the very best it can be. It only takes about three minutes of your time. You get instant gratification knowing that you've helped us out, and you can tell us how you really feel about the show only good things please and help help <laughs> us to get to know you better which we always love to do so take the survey podcast1.com and keep those tweets and comments coming because as we said we always love it also something kind of cool and interesting so here the after buzz studios where we do this show every day uh, and every we are week grateful every for them letting us do this yes every two weeks <laughs> every two weeks um that it's after buzz studios and the founder and e-host maria menounos has a new show coming soon with julian Hoff from Dancing with the Stars. It's called Dance Battle America and it's on ABC Network. It's interesting because this came from her and Julianne doing just these Instagram videos where they would battle each other on holidays. And someone picked it up and said, what a great idea for a show. I know. Why can't people you, do that about profiles? Shows you, you can you can find shows anywhere. We, we just need like the followers that Maria and Julianne yeah, that'll have. Do it. <laughs> but this is your chance if you guys want to be involved, if you want to dance for America America, you can uh, you can also get the chance to fly to LA to compete on the dance show. You go to dancebattleamericancasting.com for more information about how to submit your video for auditioning and don't forget to also post it on social media using the hashtag dancebattleabc. Have they seen moves like this? Uh, she could shimmy. Once so. again, the website is www.dancebattleamericacasting.com I'm not even going to enter because I would win. She would absolutely win. Red, and can you blame her? Back to the show. Back to the show. Back to your favorite part oh, no. of Profiles with Malone and Mance. It's time for the quiz show. Okay, hit me up. Oh, well, okay. My my question is a pretty simple one. What does Pixar stand for? 
Is it A, an acronym of pictures, inventive animated recordings, or B, nothing? I've got to say B, nothing. Correct. Thank you. High five for that. It is apparently a made-up Spanish verb meaning to make pictures, but it doesn't mean anything. Well, it means all you say is Pixar, and you know you're going to get quality. My question for you, Miss Malone, during the end credits of Up, Carl and Russell are seen going into a movie. What is the movie on the marquee? Is it A, Toy Story? Is it B, The Lion King? Is it C, The Sound of Music? Or is it D, Star Wars? It's Star Wars! Yes, she's right! (laughs) Give it up! High five for Alicia Malone! What? 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 Well, what would... Kate Stuff says no more dancing, please. No more dancing. Mm. Sorry. No, come on. Let the girl dance. She's got the moves. She's got the profile shimmy. That's all right. Well, (laughs) moving on to our next uh, bit of information here. What would any Pixar movie be without the use of Jeopardy music, which we are done with? (laughs) Yeah. I'm like, as soon as... If, if it keeps going, then it's going to keep go. dancing. Okay. Just, that's See? what happens. But that's what happens. And she hears music, she dances. I know, I can't. But what it. would any Pixar animated feature be without a Pixar animated short? Yeah. So we have to pay tribute to they're the shorts. They're so good. And they're so good. My favorite is Presto. Oh, Presto with the little... The little white bunny. bunny. He wants his carrots. And he's going to ruin the magic show. He's going to sabotage it. This this was shown before <laughs> Wally in 2008. What I love about this short, Presto, is it feels like a Looney Tunes cartoon. It does. But you can totally picture Bugs Bunny it's sabotaging true. the magician to get his carrot. It's so fun. It's so manic. It's so fast-paced. No dialogue. Most of them don't have Most dialogue. Most of them don't have dialogue. And, and it, it works so well. They always work well. What My about you? My favorite is partly cloudy okay which played before up and it's about a cloud and a stork a stork who carries babies and the cloud that creates the babies the other clouds are creating lovely cute little babies of from all species this cloud is creating very violent very <laughs> ugly babies ugly and babies stork has to carry them and and gets all messed up uh, but it's really sweet it's about friendship and about, you know, sticking by your mate, no matter how hopeless they might be. It's about, definitely about friendship. I also love La Luna from oh, 2011. Yeah. That was shown before Brave. And it's really sweet, charming, magical about this Italian family. Again, no dialogue. And how they shape the uh, moon's phases by sweeping up the stars on the moon. It's really, really inventive. So cute. And uh, another one that I like a lot. It's a mate. What's interesting is that some of these shorts were made years, some of them, years before yeah. the feature films. Like Luxo Jr. from 1986 played before Toy Story 2. Exactly. Chess game. Oh, oh uh, uh, the man playing chess. That's, Alexa uh, says the chess game. The chess game. Which one is that? With the old man playing chess. Oh, We'll I figure think it, it out. is called Chess Game. Yeah. Well, Nick Knack from 1989 is about this snowman in a snow globe who's trying to get out of the snow globe yeah. to be with the hot girl. And so then ultimately cute. he's foiled by it. It's so funny. And then what was another one that you liked? I liked For the Birds. For the which Birds. Which played before Monsters, Inc. It's about a, a large bird trying to fit in on the wire with the other birds. A lot of slapstick comedy. It also won an Oscar. And Day and Night. Day and which Night is interesting. Which played before Toy Story 3. And that is interesting. Two clouds that kind of represent day and night and what happens when they cross over. But what is interesting about it is the sound design. I love like the the weird use of sound. Like there's an axe sound for when for when night fights day, and it's not the sounds you would expect. I also like how you're mixing the computer animation. Jerry's game is the chess movie. Jerry's game. Thank you for the shout thanks, out. Profilers. There you go, Alexis. Yes, thanks so much, profilers. Moving on to number. And th- it's funny because sorry, I was just going to say a lot of people in the live chat are talking about Feast and Paper Man, and these are the movies that aren't Pixar. They're, they're the short uh, other ones. Oh, interesting. You know, DreamWorks, I think. Are they DreamWorks movies or Disney? Dis- like, do you remember the f- Feast, which is a short film with, with the dog um, played before... Sorry, I know this is kind of ruining the mood. No, it's okay. Um, no. Played before... <laughs> what's the recent mo- animated movie? Frozen? With the, the superhero kids? Oh, uh... It's just recently. Big Hero 6. Oh, yeah. Big Hero 6. Oh, yes. That's right. Yes. There yes, you go. So, Thank you. So anyway, oh, that's right. Yes. Yeah. I thought the same thing when, when I was thinking about short films. I was like, oh, I love Paper Man. I love Face, but they're different studios. Anyway. 
Anyway, Back but to it. There, there, there's only one Pixar. Only one Pixar. There's only one Pixar, and that is why, because coming in at number three on our Fast Five is Wally. Wally. Oh, Wally is joining us today. Wally. Wally. Coming in at number three, released <laughs> on June 27, 2008, directed by Andrew Stanton, box office worldwide, $527 million and six Oscar nominations, obviously the winner for Best Animated Feature, and I have to say that of all the Pixar films, this one is my personal favorite. And not only was is it my personal favorite Pixar movie, but when I did my top 10 movies of the O's, the first decade of the uh-huh. century, Wally was number two behind Children of Men. Wow. And what is it that you love the most about Wally? Well, uh, just how... Just wrap your head around the fact that it is a post-apocalyptic love story <laughs> between robots, yeah. and you're rooting for the robots, and it works, and it's got so much heart, but it's about robots. But then there's all of the allegories and the cautionary tales about messages. the messages about consumerism, mm-hmm. uh, corporatism, laziness, laziness, definitely laziness. Good gosh, uh, humanity is doomed. Loneliness. And then, and and definitely wow. the environment. Yes, the environment. Uh, there's so much going on with this movie, and I just thought I'm just a big sci-fi guy anyway. Yep. But uh, you know, this movie is always done. Uh, it does what sci-fi has always done best, which I think is make a film that's entertaining, but also carries a message about the future. And that's what Pixar does really well: the messages without hitting you over the head with it. This is probably one of the or the most socially conscious film that they've done. Yep. But it it fits with the story. You don't feel like you're being hammered with this message. I think it's a really experimental movie. It's almost like an art house adult film wrapped inside a kid's animation. Because when you consider the fact that the first half of the movie is virtually silent, yeah, a little bit of robot noises and dialogue by Ben Burt, uh. and then it moves to this whole other second half where they talk about these messages and it's really dark. As you said, it's a post-apocalyptic film. I love the way the first half, particularly, and Wally are very much influenced by silent movies. It's Charlie Chaplin. Definitely. Oh, that's true. Yeah. So you completely understand, without any dialogue, exactly what Wally is thinking and feeling. And it's the same for Pixar's shorts as well. You don't need it, the dialogue to explain everything. You've got the, the movements and the eyes, and that's why he really comes alive. He's so sweet. And He's the so story sweet. with him and Eve, it's like, it's a really story. nice love story. It really is such a sweet love story. And I just love that his up until Eve shows up, his best friend is a cockroach. Yeah. A sweet, cute little cockroach that's I what i mean it's like we're talking about a cockroach here plant that he you know saves, the little like, plants so and sweet. you know wally stands for waste allocation load lifter earth class <laughs> and eve stands for extraterrestrial vegetation evaluator <laughs> and i love uh, peter gabriel's song down to earth was that that they used during the closing credits yeah. really really beautiful film another thing i noticed and i didn't really pick this up the first couple times i saw it during the closing credits the images you see are of humanity rebuilding the earth uh-huh. like they've come back to earth i don't think i've ever like stayed to watch through the credits and i was watching i was like you know it just started like because i'm watching it at home i was like getting up i was like wait a minute there, there's this this the ending credits are a montage of humanity literally learning hope, hope just like wally says hope uh to skip, literally get back on its feet and repopulate the earth save the earth and, I mean, again, this is a movie I was watching and shaking my head going, this is absolutely brilliant. John Ratzenberger, so uh, shout out, voices John in the film. Uh, the music was by Thomas Newman, whose brother, Randy Newman, did uh, You've Got a Friend in Me from Toy Story. Mm-hmm. And uh, Roger Ebert said this movie is enthralling, a visual wonderment, and a great science fiction story. And once again, Andrew Stanton, when he thought about the story, he distilled it to one sentence, which is love conquers all programming. Because when you consider... How different Wally and Eva, their look, where they come from, everything about them, but it still works as a beautiful love story. They're meant to be together. And you don't want to mess with Eve. No. You know, you piss her off. Boom! She's a tough woman. Yeah, she is a tough woman. <laughs> big, big, uh, 
great female character. Yeah. Will Lambert, uh, profiler Will Lambert, says, Wally is beautifully done. It's very weird to say that an animated film's cinematography is spectacular, but you can actually say that about this movie. You think Up did a good job with no dialogue for seven minutes. Wally basically had no dialogue for the first 40 minutes, mm-hmm. and they were still able to keep you invested in the story. The best sci-fi films are the ones that tell you a story of what can actually happen in the future uh, as a way to discuss topics in today's society. Completely agree. And that is exactly what this film does. And Wally is so lovable that you care for everything he does. And I think it should have won the Oscar for Best Original Score. Well, Ezra Cubero says, the best, best Pixar film I've ever seen is the one I also choose to be the king of all animation. It's none other than Wally. Only Pixar is capable of taking a love story between two virtually mute robots and making it one of the most powerful, emotionally resonant romance films of all time. It has some of the most detailed and visually stunning animation that studio has ever done. It contains plenty of wonderful human moments between these non-human characters, giving them emotions and personalities that are just as complex as every one of ours. Though the power of the, through the power of great science fiction and amazing storytelling by Andrew Stanton and the rest of the Pixar team, Wall-E is one of the films I cherish most in my life and can't stop watching over and over and over again. Very, very true. I actually was watching this. I hadn't seen it in a while. And I was like, you know what? I I wouldn't mind sitting through this again right this second. Yeah. It's so, so great. And I know we always say this. We always say, oh, this Fast Five was a tough one. <laughs> this really, really was. was. Uh, which, thank goodness, we have a category <laughs> called The Others, because The Others are pretty darn good themselves, like Ratatouille. Ratatouille! From 2007, directed by Brad Bird. Think about it. It's about a rat who wants to be a cook. (laughs) And you're not going... It's a sweet movie. I mean, it's just... this. I got to say, this easily could have been in our Fast Five. It could have, yeah. What are some of yours? I'd say it would be in like the Fast Six. Yes, Fast Six. And that was the first Disney Pixar film, wasn't it? When when they merged. After they merged, merged. yep. Um, Of course, Toy Story and Toy Story 2. We spoke about Toy Story a bit, but just the series in as a whole. I mean, the humanity and the motion, emotion and the innovation that exists. It's, it's like a buddy cop comedy. It's relatable. And each sequel has been fantastic, which is hard to do. And Toy Story 4 will be coming out as well. June 2017. Of course, Brave as well, which is the first film female. to have a, a female protagonist. Uh, it feels more Disney than Pixar to me. It's got a fairy tale spin, like I a nice twist hair. on the fairy tale. Yeah, I like how messy she I, is. I and like the red her, hair. The red hair, you know, the long curly red hair. But I love that it takes this twist yeah. that is very, very unexpected. Uh, you know, I feel like Brave is an underrated movie. I feel like not a, a lot of people really embrace it like some of the other ones. But you know, I just love it because it is so unpredictable and because it does have such a strong female protagonist. Uh, I uh, Monsters Inc. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I like this movie a lot. Directed by Pete Docter, came out on uh, in November of two thousand one, and it's one of the first movies that I saw after nine eleven. And I mean, I was like everyone else, completely devastated by nine eleven, and I, I didn't go to the movies for a while. I just thought, like, you know, what's the point? There was so much going on, and I just was in a really bad place. And and I saw Monsters Inc. and I I laughed, I cried, it touched my heart, it was clever. And the animation in the film, we talked about this earlier, was so groundbreaking when you look at Sully's fur. Mm. I mean, it was, there was so much detail to it. But ultimately, that's what started me writing again. And I also uh, felt like it was okay to start laughing and feeling good again. So for yeah. that, I will always be indebted to Monsters, Inc. And it feels, again, like Toy Story, touching on childhood and these two unlikely buddies uh, and it's all about monsters under your bed. I thought that was really inventive. I mean, who doesn't worry about monsters under the bed, <laughs> I know, right? But I love the way they took that story. And then we have Monsters University, which is uh, their take on a college movie. Yeah, it's definitely. got all the classic like college <laughs> film touchstones. Uh, a Bug's Life, their second movie, came out in 1998. A lot of people sort of get this confused with DreamWorks Ants, Ants because it came out the same year. Uh, uh, Bug's Life is the better movie by far. Uh, and uh, underrated. Uh, I thought it was fun, and I also I also liked Cars. The first one was pretty good. Yeah, the second one was just kind of more of the same. But both Cars and Cars Two, I don't think are terrible movies. They're just because Pixar has such a high standard. Absolutely, and we hold Pixar movies to such a high standard that it didn't quite get there for me. Well, a lot of people again on our Facebook page profiles with Melana Mance. Make sure you like our Facebook page. 
The brackets. The brackets. Yeah, yes. well, this week, Rachel Cushing, Cole Boone, and Michael Kay ran the brackets, and the theme was Best Pixar Feature. So it got down to the semifinals, Toy Story 3 versus Monsters, Inc., then up versus The Incredibles. So down to the finals between Toy Story 3 and The Incredibles. Can you guess which one won? Toy Story 3. Toy Story 3. Yes! 74 votes to 58. Give it up. Let's high five Toy Story 3. Way to go. Thank you so much for doing those brackets. They're so much fun. See, we like to create a community of film lovers. It's not just about Malone and Mance talking about movies. It's about the profilers chiming in as well. Obviously, you said we read your comments. like Film Geek Friends. It's Film Geek Friends. Hashtag (laughs) Film Geek. Hashtag Profile for for life. Life. That brings us to number two in our Fast Five, which is... Is he is a good and smart master, and he made me this color so that I may talk. Squirrel, squirrel. Uh, <laughs> up. Released May 29, two thousand nine. I love this movie. Directed by Pete Doctor, who directed the new movie Inside Out. Five Oscar nominations, including Best picture. Hmm. It won two for score, Michael Giacchino, for animated feature. Total box office worldwide $731 million. And without question, Pixar's most emotionally moving and heartfelt film to date. Really touching, profoundly moving, and quite surreal and dreamlike and strange at the same time. Imaginative. Imaginative. I mean, the the idea of lifting a house with a bunch of balloons, that's crazy. And so colourful, the whole film as well. People didn't think that this would be a commercial success. They didn't even license toys for this one at first because they didn't think that it would actually sell that well. But of course, it was a huge hit financially and critically. The strangeness really works. The emotion just hits home. I love the idea of like Carl walking through the the jungle, dragging his weight on his back on his house to get to where him and Ellie had always dreamed of. And the whole theme, I mean, I think one of the reasons the montage makes me cry is not just the idea of losing a loved one. It's the idea of worrying that you haven't done everything you wanted to do in your life. And then, of course, when they find out, he finds out later that Ellie is like, the adventure was with you. Uh, I just love it, yeah. When, she, when he looks at the book and she writes thanks for the adventure now go have a new one yeah that's oh, oh really man hits that home. hits home but, but even like no like, regrets like when he takes off and he's all in his way and he looks at the picture of Ellie on his wall and he says he says we're on our way Ellie yeah. like I mean here was a guy you know Carl who was lonely he grumpy. Uh, is grumpy he's sad he gets arrested he gets kicked out or he's going to get kicked out of his house and he has nothing to lose he just misses all the times and it's happened a lot during the movie when he would sit down and he would just take a deep breath and just sigh because he just missed he missed his wife so much. And that he stopped living his own life. He just. And this, but then amongst it all, it's really funny. Like it, the it like the dog, the squirrel, dog. like the yeah. It's and the collar so that didn't work. Yeah. So yeah. so what happened here? I mean, it's like you don't see that coming. Like, <laughs> what is going on here? Really like out of nowhere, very experimental. The entire movie, I love it. John Ratzenberger, shout out. He played construction foreman Tom, and uh, just uh, the you know, I'm sure a lot of people, a lot of profilers watching have seen up mm-hmm. and if they haven't I'm just going to spoil the very last image of the movie because when you see Carl let the house go and he's like it's it's it, you know an allegory for letting go emotionally as well mm-hmm. but where does the house end up it ends up on Paradise Falls where it will sit yes. forever yeah it's just like right the, where it's supposed to be the good to the last drop kind of Pixar movie <sighs> satisfying in every way Kate Stuff says the feels and Roger Cushing says, just got chills. Yeah. Oh, wow. Wow. The, the Hollywood Reporter and their review said it was a winsome, touching, gloriously rendered, high-flying adventure. Carl was actually based on a sort of a, a mix of Walter Matthau and Spencer Tracy. And Ed Asner is great. He's perfect, right? <laughs> uh, this is the first Pixar film to be shown in 3D. And, uh, oh, this is interesting. So over the weekend, I was moderating a press conference for Inside Out mm-hmm. with the cast from Inside Out. It was Amy Poehler, Bill Hader, uh, 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 Mindy, uh, Kaling. Mindy Kaling, and uh, uh, Phil buddies. Smith, and you know we're, we're buddies. All your buds. All the buds. So, so one of the questions from the audience was, what is your favorite Pixar movie? 
and they all, each one of them said up. Wow. They all said up. And I'm like, I got to remember this for profiles. That's so cool. Well, Miss Movies, Brianne Brian Chandler. Chandler loves up as well, says up really tugged at my heartstrings. If you aren't crying in the first five minutes, then you might not be human. Yeah, even I cried that. One of my <laughs> daughter's favorite attractions at Disneyland is following Rus- Russell's tracks at the Wilderness Explorer Camp, Redwood Creek Challenge Trail. Speak, Alicia. I love how Disney has incorporated many Pixar favorites into their parks in many ways, from rides to lands to using their film scores throughout the park. I always hear the score to up when I am there, and I think it is practically perfect in every way. Well, Mark Tordai, who's on an adventure of his own right now in Australia, Australia. says, Up is a beautiful story about loss, grief, moving on, and youth helping the elderly. It's touching. It's emotional. It's a fun tale about a man's unrelenting quest to save his home. The first 10 minutes express more without any words than most films these days in two hours. Absolutely true. true. Uh, This is certainly my personal favorite Pixar movie. And that brings us to another movie that is definitely going to be on everybody's list of favorite Pixar movies. Inside Inside Out. Out. Now, this movie absolutely should have been in our Fast Five at like number four, maybe even number three, maybe even number two. Mm -hmm. But I feel like, you know, you just need to sort of like see it a few times and let it simmer before you can really, really place it. But it is definitely, definitely one of Pixar's very best films. And and my review, which I have yet to post, I wrote, not only does its 15th movie Inside Out qualify as the most ambitious, inventive, and wildly imaginative film to come across the big screen, in a long time, it's also a glorious, sweet, funny, charming, and moving masterpiece that fits the bill as Pixar's best outing since Toy Story 3. I can see that on a cover somewhere. Uh, Mr. Manson, oh, DVD geez. cover, I'm sure. I don't know. I don't know. Who but cares? I agree. I, as I said, I saw it in Cannes. I had a really great time watching the film, and we were really lucky because we got to sit down with the director, Pete Doctor, who was behind many other great films like Up!, and we got to speak to him about working at Pixar and he was about there from Inside the beginning. Out. Yeah, he was there from the very beginning. He was there from Toy Story. Yeah, so, so it was a real, real treat. So on a 20th anniversary of Toy Story, on our celebration of Pixar and in honor of one of their very best movies, Inside Out, here is The Conversation <laughs> with Pete Doctor. Roll it. Pete Doctor, thank you so much for joining us on Profiles. Yeah, and we're absolutely. really excited to talk about Inside Out because it's one of Pixar's best films, in my opinion. Yeah, <laughs> cool. <laughs> Can Thank you start you. out by telling us where the inspiration came from? Yeah, uh, I was. Uh, we had just finished Up, and my daughter, uh, she was actually the voice of young Ellie in Up, if you remember the beginning yes. of that. She was sure. kind of a lot like that character, actually, at that time. And then she turned 11. And uh, she got a lot more quiet, and I was like, what's this about? I mean, this is, what's going on in her head? Um, and that's kind of the, the starting point of this film, was just trying to explain why th- certain things happen, why we act the way they do, we do. Uh, and emotions as characters just seemed like, oh, that's exactly what animation does really well. Strong, opinionated, caricatured personalities. Up won the Oscar for Best Animated Feature. Also, for Best Original Score, Michael Giacchino. Yay! But so, in terms of following up, what were the challenges to make a film that is easily Pixar's most imaginative and inventive and original film to date? Wow, thank you. um, You know, for me, when I'm starting out, all I'm thinking is, like, how can I do something that I haven't seen before? Uh, If there's ever, like, even a faint hint of... Uh, we've done that already with Jesse and Toy Story 2 or whatever it is. Uh, we try to steer away into something new and fresh. So that's this one, I felt like, okay, this is our chance to take people into places that everyone's ultimately familiar with, but they've never actually seen before. Like Our, ch- our challenge is to visually represent things like why songs get stuck in your head, um, where weird dreams come from, and uh, you know the train of thought and all these kind of fun things. Uh, that was our job. It's kind of interesting that this is coming out on the 20th anniversary of the first film, or yeah, about the, well, Toy, Toy Story, Story yeah. which you worked on. Mm-hmm. So can you tell us about working on the very first ever computer animated feature? Yeah, it was fun. It was not... Uh, <laughs> I guess the thing I'd say is it was like a bunch of guys making a film in the garage for fun. Yeah. It really kind of shocked me and surprised me when it came out and people around the world saw it because I felt like, wait, we were just doing that for fun. You know, I would have done that even if you hadn't paid me kind of thing. <laughs> so it was a um, pretty, uh, pretty amazing project, and I'm so amazed that I was a part of it. 
But what, when did you realize while you were making that movie, hey guys, this is going to change everything in terms of animation, especially computer animation? Me personally, not until after it came out. Um, I think some folks now claim, like John has said, oh, he realized that if we had done, a, if it not worked, if the film had not been successful, uh, then uh, it would have ruined it for everybody because people have a tendency to paint with very broad colors, and, and if if one computer animated film didn't do well, people would kind of generalize, oh, computer animation, it's no good. Um, so we tried to focus on the storytelling, the characters, you know, relationships, and I think that paid off. I think pretty early on into the film, you kind of forget that you're watching cartoon That's characters. True. You know, you're just watching a movie about these people. Yeah, Toy Story has a lot of emotion. I never usually cry in films, but Pixar movies get me every time, mm. particularly the montage in Up. Oh, cool. Which kills me every time. <laughs> How did that come about, and what was it like working on that montage in particular? That was fun. Um, it was originally written as uh, little scenes with little dialogue, and, and it, it got a little long. So as we storyboarded it, uh, Ronnie Del Carmen, who was drawing it, said, you know, guys, I think this would really be nice with no dialogue. Uh, so we tried that, just music and sound effects, and ultimately we even got rid of the sound effects. So it just really becomes kind of a... It, it, what I think, to me, maybe why people like it is by only hinting at things the audience is able to put their own specifics in. You imagine what they're talking about and the conversations and the emotion of it all. Yeah, the imagination You're is an the active special effect. And it makes me not want to get married, ever. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the other films, I mean, we're, we're talking about the whole shebang with Pixar. My favorite, my personal favorite, is a movie, it is a post-apocalyptic movie, <laughs> okay? And it's a, it is a love story between two robots, yeah. and it works. And that was one of those where, in a, in a sense, in a weird way, that goes back to um, to um, uh, Luxo Jr., the short film. And a lot of people were really nervous about doing something with so little dialogue, and especially a main character who doesn't really talk. But we just pointed back to that lamp short, and people love it, right? And you instantly can relate to these characters. They don't even have eyeballs, you know. <laughs> they just have uh, this... They're lamps. So um, we, coming from that tradition, we had real confidence that we could pull it off. It was not easy. Uh, it was really a difficult one. Um, but you start with something as sympathetic as this little guy who is this immense job, an entire planet full of trash, and yet he soldiers on. Every day he comes there and cubes a little bit of garbage. <laughs> and uh, so you just have, you were rooting for him, you know. He's so sweet. He doesn't say anything. He doesn't whine Except about it. Complain. Yeah, he's so cute. But when it comes to working with actors on dialogue movies like Inside Out, is it all written beforehand, before the actors come on board and do voiceovers? Or with this cast, when you've got such great comedians, do you improvise a lot? For sure. Yeah. Um, I think the important thing is that uh, to realize, like, it's not just from scratch we walk in and go, let's make up some stuff. I mean, <laughs> we are creating this entire plot and even with scenes that we know exactly what's going to happen. Now that we have a sort of framework, we let these amazing brains loose and we play. And so you have Bill Hader and Mindy Kaling and, you know, everybody considering uh, and, and adding their own ideas to this. So uh, it, was, it was a real dream cast. As we are <coughs> celebrating the 20th anniversary of the movie that started it all, what can we expect next from Squirrel? What can we expect next from Pixar? <laughs> what can we expect next from Pixar in the near future and for the next 20 years? The thing I love about working at Pixar, and this comes right from John Lasseter, he's looking for the directors to put themselves on the screen. So we have new directors as well as old seasoned directors uh, bringing thousands of ideas to the table. And, and what we do know is that they're all going to be heartfelt, emotional, uh, funny. They're a reflection of the people who make them. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Thank you. This is a real pleasure. Thank Girl. you. <laughs> you. You made me so scared when you said squirrel. Squirrel! I, I jumped out of my seat. I was like, what? You know, was so I funny. was like, where am I going to put this? It's so got to be in there somewhere. It's got to be like random somewhere. But yeah, you know, but the, the other thing I just want to so say, nice. he was so nice. And to talk to not just the director of, of Up, which obviously everyone loves, and Inside Out, which everyone is going to love, and someone who's been there since the beginning. But uh, he was a super, super nice guy. So nice. And, uh, you and know, spoke really well. And I want, to, I want to mention this too, is that Inside Out, like Up and Wally and, and the 
Toy Story films, these are movies that should be taught in film schools. Yeah. Like, there's so much to them, you could actually have a film class on the movies of Pixar. Definitely. And one thing I wanted to say, too, and I just wrote this down for my review of Inside Out, it's this good. One can only anticipate the intellectual wonders and visual delights that are bound to reveal themselves with repeated viewings of Inside Out, which all but solidifies it as an instant classic that will be embraced, dissected, and enjoyed for generations to come. It teaches you a lot about psychology, Inside Out. Definitely, definitely does. really does, does and how your brain works. Well, that brings us to number one in our Fast Woo! Five, which is... Oh, no. <laughs> it's okay. He's looking for us. <gasps> and he's looking for us. Uh, Toy Story 3. Toy Story 3. And by extension, Toy Stories 1 and 2. This movie released on June 18, 2010. Directed by Lee Unkrich. Cost uh, about $200 million. Box office $1 billion worldwide. Five Oscar nominations, including Best Picture, two wins for Best Song, Randy Newman, We Belong Together, and Best Animated Feature. This is the best of the series, a masterpiece. And mm-hmm. on a scale of 1 to 10, Toy Story goes to infinity and beyond. It's also the first animated film to make $1 billion, and it works as a comedy, as a drama, as an action, a story all about memories and moving on and being forgotten and escaping and growing up and friendship and connecting to the child within you. There's so much happening. And usually when it comes to sequels, or especially sequels, studios go, okay, well, let's just do more of the same that we right. did in the first two. Uh, Toy Story 3, they took a huge risk by making it really dark, quite dark, quite emotional. I mean, it's got elements of a horror movie in terms of the lighting, the way that the big baby is terrifying. Big baby was creepy. Lotso looks so sweet as the villain. Yeah, Lotso hugging there. The daycare looks like Alcatraz. I mean, it's scary. And we spoke about the scene before where they think they're going to die. Like, there are real stakes in this movie. There are mortality obsolescence and in addition to every single thing you just said this movie is also about the relentless passage of time yep. like when you see Andy walk in the room and he's a grown up you're like whoa Andy. Andy it's been 11 years since Toy Story 2 and boy it flew by mighty mighty fast uh, this is a I think it's just a brilliant movie that last scene when you see Andy hand off his toys but he plays with them one last time Ugh. plays with them one last time that gives me tears as well. And then he drives off, and what he uh, says, so long, partner. Yeah. It breaks your heart. But, I mean, this movie uh, uh, was the highest-grossing animated movie of all time until Frozen passed it. Yeah. USA Today said it was the best of the three and everything a movie should be. Hilarious, touching, exciting, and clever. John Ratzenberger, of course, was ham. <laughs> uh, who's your? Which of the toys was your favorite? In Toy Story 3, it was Ken. Was it Ken? Oh, you like Ken? <laughs> I love Ken because it was so funny. And then and then Ken also took a darker turn. But I love the way he is like showing Barbie around and when he sees Barbie and, and all the Dream jokes. Because that's the thing of like, it, it is dark, but it's also really, really, really funny. Um, yeah, it was like, uh, she's one in a million, not to me, you know. And then with the, with the clothes, when she's ripping the clothes, he's like, no, not my outfits. I, just, I love Rex. You love Rex because he's he's like he's a T Rex, but he's so sweet and he's such a scaredy cat, yeah. and he's always worried about stuff. While with Sean, who was uh, you know the voice in uh, uh, Inconceivable, oh, yeah. you know he's in always Princess Bride. Uh, but uh, this uh, is definitely uh, it was the first Pixar movie released in IMAX, and uh, interesting that when when actors go in to record their voices, they usually go in by themselves. But Tom Hanks and Tim Allen insisted on going and doing their voices together so they could really bring out the best in each other. They always had great chemistry the so they kept that going yeah definitely the camaraderie yeah, it's, it's you look at these films and you look at toy story 3 and you think wow pixar is fearless they really are they will try anything and it works and they're not worried about what uh people will think i, I mean they they think about their audience but they're always trying to think of the best possible story well this was the best possible story going back to the movie man's review archives from my review for toy story 3 i said if toy story 2 was about identity and purpose then toy story 3 is 
about change and mortality. That may sound heavy, but that's what makes it the best and also at times the darkest of the series. Oh yeah. Cole Boone says Toy Story 3 is my favorite animated film of all time. When the first Toy Story came out, I wasn't even two years old. Ooh, it makes me feel old. Wow. Yet it's one of the <laughs> earliest film memories that I have. I grew up with Pixar and the Toy Story films. Flash forward 15 years and I'm a 16 year old who's being truly moved by the emotional, funny and entertaining film that is Toy Story 3. I love how it drew inspiration from The Great Escape. It's a very good very good reference there. Yep. Um, and how it was able to seamlessly reintroduce these characters back into our lives as well as give us several new and beloved characters to enjoy. Toy Story 3 is arguably Pixar at its finest and it absolutely deserved to be nominated for Academy Award for Best Picture. Hashtag Film Geek. Hashtag Profile, Profile for, for life. life. And Aaron Turner finishing off our comments from Profile says, while The Incredibles is my overall favorite Pixar film, nothing ripped my heart out like Toy Story 3. As I'm posting this I'm getting teary eyed just thinking about those last 15 minutes the film drives home the fact that we all eventually have to grow up yet it also shows the joy we can have by enjoying things that we liked with other people I love to play with my young nephews and watch them enjoying the same toys that I did as a child hashtag film geek hashtag profiler for life one more set of uh, stuff of business here. Before Make I close sh- my notebook. Before you close the notebook and we call it a show, make sure you go to iTunes and subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes. Even if you're watching it on YouTube, go to iTunes anyway. We need these ratings and reviews. Please let us know what you think. Speaking of YouTube, go to youtube.com backslash popcorn talk network. Subscribe to our show. Share it with everyone. We love doing profiles, but it is a lot of work and we are doing it for nothing, just out of the joy of our hearts. It is a true labor of love. So much fun. But we love to do it. It's so much fun. Please help us keep doing it by subscribing. Go to our Facebook page, Profiles with Malone and Mance. Like it. Join in on the fun. And that's where you'll find out who our next profile is going to be. So if you Mm -hmm. like our page... If you like our page, you'll be the first to know. Make sure you follow us on Twitter, at Alicia Malone, at Movie Mance, at Alicia Malone, at Movie Mance, at Alicia Malone, (laughs) at Movie Mance. And, of course, please follow our Profiles handle, which is Profiles SK. That gives it for another great show of Profiles. Close my notebook and let's recap our fast five coming at number five Finding is Nemo. number four the, the incredibles. incredibles number three is wally number two was up number one is toy, toy story, story three, three. Whew, what a show what a show that was really fun thank you everyone who's watching live thanks for all your comments thanks for being part of this show it was a really good time and we'll be back soon with our next profile so until next time bye, bye. From producers Maria Menunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire Popcorn Talk Network, we would like to thank you for tuning in. For questions or comments, be sure to visit PopcornTalk.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of the Popcorn Talk Network. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of the Popcorn Talk Network or its owners or principals. 